Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Gospel Record of Mark. The Gospel Record of Mark and chapter number 2. The Gospel Record of Mark and chapter number 2. We're continuing with our series of the Gospel Record of Mark and we're showing Jesus Christ in this Gospel Record as the man of action. And over and over we could see the works of Jesus, that he's doing this and then he's doing this and then he's doing this. And we could see that there's a book revolving around the continual action of Jesus and those around him. And so if you don't mind to look with me in the Gospel Record of Mark, chapter number 2. The Gospel Record of Mark in chapter number 2, and if you wouldn't mind, look with me starting at verse number 1. The Gospel Record of Mark, chapter 2, and in verse number 1. Notice with me. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it be easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he arose, and took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God, saying, We never saw it this fashion. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Mark chapter number two, the book of Mark chapter number two. And notice with me in verse number five, Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. And with the Lord's help, I want to take that idea from this passage here that Jesus saw their faith. If you wouldn't mind, let's go to the Lord together. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you again that we can come to you 
and acknowledge whom you are and see the great God that you truly are. I'm asking that you would just help us to get people to Jesus, that you would help us to be our mission, our goal, our desire, to be like these four friends, to bring them to Jesus. And because of that, it could be said that you saw our faith. I'm asking, Lord, that you would just do something wonderful here, that you would just fill me with your precious spirit, that you would open up the word of God, and that you would encourage us to be obedient to your clear commands. And we love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as Jesus continued to have his public ministry, of course, many people wanted to hear more about Jesus. This is the man who's been healing the sick. This is the man who has been doing so many miracles, casting out demons, doing so many things. Because of his miracles, people wanted to hear what he had to say. And so if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to take this passage here, and I'd like to show you this account here of these four friends who wanted to bring their friend to Jesus. And so if you wouldn't mind, the very first thing I'd like to show you is the persistence to get to Christ. The persistence to get to Christ. Notice with me, if you wouldn't mind, in verse number 1. And again, he, that's Jesus, entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. So Jesus came to Capernaum and he went and stayed at a certain house. And when people found out that Jesus was there, everyone started to talk about it. Jesus is here. Do you know where Jesus is at? Hey, there's that guy who's been doing miracles. Let me tell you where he's at. Verse number two. And straightway, immediately, many were gathered together. Insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And so what happened is that so many people wanted to hear about Jesus is that everyone came to the house. Could you imagine being that house owner? That Jesus would come and you're settling him and his disciples. And soon there's a knock on the door. Hey, is Jesus here? Yeah. And so they would let that person in. And just a moment. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus is here. And soon the whole place was full. In that place, they did not have six feet between each person. They were all crammed together. They were all squeezed together because of the press. There was no more room. They had the house filled to capacity. And they had people outside of the house all trying to hear Jesus. You could imagine them have the doors open and the windows open. But no one could get inside of the house. No one could sneak in. The house was full. Outside of the house was full. Everyone wanted to hear about Jesus. And thus introduces these four friends. Notice with me in verse 3. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And so here are four friends that are carrying their friend who is sick of the palsy. The palsy is a type of paralysis. So you can imagine, here's a friend that is paralyzed. He can't walk himself. He can't move himself. He is stuck and limited. And here are four friends that say, we've heard about this Jesus. We've heard that he is able to heal the sick. He's able to make the lame walk again. And if we could just get our friend to Jesus, if we could just bring our friend to Jesus, he would heal him. And so they came. You can imagine however they did it. Maybe they all grabbed a corner of the bed 
uh, spread. Maybe they had them in a blanket. Maybe they had it in a hammock. Maybe they had a cot. Maybe they had some sort of transport uh, device, uh, a gurney or something. But however it is, they begin to travel to see where Jesus was. But the problem was, is so many people were around the house, they could not get in. Verse number four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press. So, so many people were pressed together, they couldn't get in. You can imagine them stand at the outside edge and they said, excuse us, can we get by? And maybe a couple people moved, but not many moved. They tried to circle around. Maybe we could go through the back door. But they found the whole house was surrounded. Everyone was around and they could not get inside of any door to get to where Jesus was. But they were so determined to get to Jesus, to get their friend to Jesus so he could get the help they need that only Jesus could, could provide. Notice what they did, verse 4. And when they could not come uh, nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. So what these four friends did is they looked at each other and said, we got to get to Jesus somehow. And one of them looked up and said, well, there's no one up there. Okay. And so you can imagine the endeavor of trying to get a paralyzed man on top of a roof of a building. Especially with everyone hanging around. You can imagine a full crowd there and maybe they got a ladder. Maybe they made a, put stacks and boxes together. Maybe they try to do something, but everyone's watching them. What are those guys doing? And so you could imagine them trying to lift up their friend and drag him up and lift him up. Now they're on the roof. But there's no roof access. There's no door. So what do we do? And they said, boys, let's dig. Now, houses there was usually a flat-style roof that often had tiling. And so what they did is they had the ceramic tiling, and these boys, these four friends, started just to take a tile off and another tile off and started to dig in the house. Now, imagine what it was like inside of the house. I don't know if you've had kids or pets that run up on the second floor and you could hear them fighting and running, but can you imagine the racket it would make? Four men breaking into the roof. You can imagine Jesus is trying to teach and they're hearing the rumbling and everyone's distracted looking up. And as Jesus is teaching, all of a sudden a little dust starts to fall. And then a little bit more. Maybe some spackling came down. And next thing you know, sunlight's pouring out from the roof. You can imagine one of those guys poking his head in, looking down and, oh, I think it's safe. And then the guy says, all right. And so he climbs down the roof and lands right in front of the crowd. I mean, if a guy's coming down, don't you think people would part just a little bit? What's going on here? Maybe another friend came down and said, all right. And so two friends are down. The other two start lowering the paralyzed guy down. And they lower him down right at the feet of Jesus. What a crazy church meeting that would be. Could you imagine someone breaking into our church? Coming in through the roof because they had to meet Jesus? You know, we can learn some things for these four friends. These four friends had a man they had to get to Jesus. And one thing that they did is they had to overcome three things. They had to overcome the press. You know, each of these things would be something of why they would quit. I'm sorry I can't get you to Jesus today. He's busy. He's too full. I can't get you to Jesus today because of the roof. These are three things. The press, Jesus was busy, and he was busy, and the roof. I'm sorry it's not convenient. You see, these four friends were not worried about was it convenient 
to get their friend to Jesus. They said the most important thing is that we have to get him to Jesus no matter what. And they overcome obstacles that were in their way to get their friend to Jesus. They didn't let any of those things stop him. You see, if they had waited, they would have missed Christ and their friend would not have been healed. This is a story here of some friends who had a someone that had to get to Christ. And they would not allow any obstacle to get in their way. You know what obstacles get in your way from getting someone to Christ? Is it time? Is it convenience? Is it a virus? What is it that keeps you from getting people to Jesus Christ? Now I understand there's caution, there's uh, wisdom. But you can't let obstacles get in your way to get people to Jesus. Because if they do not get to Jesus, they will not get healed, they will not get saved, and they'll perish and go to an awful place called hell. Even if you had someone who doesn't seem to want the gospel, keep going back. Don't let that be an obstacle in your way. Keep going back, keep going back, keep going back. The problem is, is that it takes so little to stop us. A preacher said this once, The true measure of a man is not what he accomplishes. The true measure of a man is what does it take to stop him. What does it take to stop you from getting people to the Lord? These four friends are an example and put in the Bible here. And remember what Jesus said about them? In fact, let's see that now. The first thing that we showed you here is the persistence to get to Christ. They didn't let anything stop them from getting to Jesus. The second thing I'd like to show you here is the pleasure of Christ. The pleasure of Christ. What did Christ think about his meeting being interrupted? What did Jesus think about them bringing their paralyzed man in front of them? What did Jesus think about this? Notice what Jesus thought about this. In verse number 5. And when Jesus saw their faith. He said unto the sick of the palsy. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. What we see here is Jesus was pleased. With their faith. When he saw their faith. Remember the only thing that pleases God is faith. The Bible talks about in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please him. In order to please God you have to show faith. What made these four men so persistent? Their faith that Jesus and Jesus alone was what they needed. They did whatever it took to get them to Jesus because of their faith. They believed in Christ was enough to heal their friend. And it made them persistent. And God was pleased with that persistence. He was pleased with that faith. Remember, true faith always produces action. Someone who says, oh sure, I have faith. And they do nothing. They do not have faith according to the Bible. Faith Always produces action. If you truly believe that people are dying and going to hell. Then why aren't you doing something about it? If you truly believe that Jesus was the only answer. For whatever friend you have. Why aren't you doing something about it? 
You understand, if you truly believe that Jesus was their only hope, their only chance, then you would do whatever it took if you truly loved them and you truly believed it. Remember, our belief affects our behavior. Do you still, during this time of abnormally, did people stop dying and going to hell? During this time, is there a pause on deaths? During this time, isn't it an opportune time where people are actually thinking about death? There are some people who will be reached right now who will never be reached ever again. And if we do not get the message to them now, they will not accept Christ as their Savior. We have to come to the idea, is Jesus what they need? And when Jesus saw their faith. How was your faith? Do you have that type of faith? Where you said, I don't care what's, what it takes. I need to get my friend, my loved one, my neighbor to Jesus. Now as we come through here, we notice that before Jesus could deal with a physical problem. He dealt with a spiritual problem. You understand the man who had the palsy, his biggest need was not physical healing. His biggest need was spiritual healing. And that's exactly what Jesus was trying to provide for him, first of all, was spiritual healing. And because of that, we need to think the same way. We need to think more of spiritual needs than physical needs. Now, physical needs are very important. You would ask that man of the palsy, is physical needs very important? You would say, absolutely, yes, they are important. But oftentimes we look at the physical things. Think of your prayer list. How much of your prayer list is physical things? Aunt, Aunt Ana has the gout. Uncle Bob's got this. So-and-so's got this. Uh, Uncle Herman's got a, a, a broken toe. Someone's got a hangnail. Oh, my kitty. And, and no, Those are important things and we're not trying to downgrade them. But think of how much of your prayer list is for physical and how much of it is for spiritual. Lord, you change their heart. So-and-so needs, do whatever it takes to bring that person to yourself. They need to be forgiven of their sins. They need to be saved. Salvation. They need wisdom. So-and-so needs discernment. Those are spiritual things, not physical things. And what people need most of all is they need their spiritual health to. They need spiritual healing. They need spiritual wisdom. They need spiritual strengthening. And these physical things are important as well. But Jesus puts an emphasis on the spiritual before the physical. Think about this. Think about someone who is healed physically but still dies and goes to hell. Couldn't Jesus be glorified by healing this guy? But he gets more glory by this man accepting Christ and having his sins forgiven. Jesus is more glorified by salvations. So as we take this time here, and it said that Jesus looked at their faith, there are a couple things that Jesus did not do. Jesus did not bring up their past sins. Now sure these guys are sinners. Sure they had issues. But Jesus didn't say, listen... You, what you did in the past, I can't take care of this because of your past. He didn't bring up their past at all. Jesus did not fault them for the roof. That was physical. But he didn't yell at them for breaking the roof. What are you guys doing? He didn't yell at them. 
In fact, I personally believe, the Bible doesn't say that, I believe that these young men were responsible enough that afterwards they helped fix the roof or made sure it was taken care of. But Jesus didn't yell at them for uh, ruining the roof. And then Jesus did not hesitate to forgive. Those are spiritual things. Jesus did not condemn someone for doing whatever it took to get them to Jesus. He did not condemn these people for doing whatever it took to get their friend to the Lord. And Jesus, you need to do what it takes uh, as you obey the Bible, as you obey common sense, as you're trying to obey the Lord to get those people to the Lord and not let anything get in your way. So we start off the idea with the persistence of these men. Then we also see the pleasure of Christ. But I also want you to see this, the perception of Christ. The perception of Christ. Notice with me in verse number 6. But there were certain scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God? So in this meeting, can you imagine you're having a meeting? Jesus is preaching there, but of course there's the crowd that's crossed their arms and bless me if you can. There are a crowd there that's criticizing everything Jesus is saying anyways. They're taking notes so they could go ahead and put on their blogs about what the preacher said wrong and what they didn't like and give their opinion pieces. But all of a sudden, in the middle of that, something unusual happened. The roof opened up. These four men bring this paralyzed man down. Jesus looks at them and he says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Just like that. Thy sins be forgiven thee. These scribes and Pharisees begin to say in their own heart, This guy's a blasphemer. Only God can forgive sins. Who does he think he is? And just to show that Jesus is God... Isn't it wonderful? This is a book of action, a continual action. And here it even shows Jesus' action. Jesus knew what was in their minds. And may I remind you that Jesus knows what's in your mind? Even when I'm preaching this, he knows what you're thinking about. He knows what your heart's at. He knows where you are at. Jesus knows these things. Notice this in verse number 8. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves. You know these men didn't say anything out loud. They said it internally. So as the preacher is there, Jesus, and he's forgiving their sins, he's preaching a message. They're saying things in their own heart. No one else knows they're saying them, but Jesus does. And when Jesus perceived... In his spirit that they so reasoned himself. He said, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it, it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee. Or to say, arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He says, alright, you want to say that I'm blaspheming? Let's prove this. Which is easier, to say that they're forgiven of sins? Or to make him get up and walk. He says just to prove that the son of man has power to forgive sins. Alright. He goes to the sick of the palsy. He looks to him and says. I say unto thee. Arise take up thy bed and go thy way. And immediately he arose. 
and took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed. Look at this. So Jesus looks, sees their hearts and he says, listen, I want to prove to you that I have the power to forgive sins. He says, which one's easier? Just to prove it, get up, go walk, go home. And this guy who'd been paralyzed probably all of his life, all of a sudden stood up, rolled up his bed, tucked it under his arm, and began to walk. Now remember, this was full of the press. They couldn't get in. But I almost guarantee you, part it like Moses in the Red Sea when the guy's walking out. He's walking out and people are like, whoa, what just happened here? You know what Jesus did? Is he proved that he had the power of sin by backing it up that he had the power to give healing. Do you know that God is able to answer prayers? And by answering the prayers of the physical needs, he also proves that he could take care of your spiritual needs. That's why we need to be going to our friends and family, those around us and grabbing prayer requests and allowing God to answer their prayers so we can go say, not only did God answer that physical prayer, he could also offer you forgiveness of sins. That is the proof that our God is real and he can have the power to forgive. Think about this. Wasn't that an amazing sight? Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to be there at that meeting to watch that happen? God knows what he's doing. Jesus still healed the man. You know, Christ was never too busy for people. He didn't say, hey, listen, I'm trying to teach a meeting here. But he took the time to deal with this man. Now I want to show you three responses of the Galileans. So Jesus perceived what they were doing. How did the other people respond? So we know how the scribes responded, that they were critical. Jesus addressed them. But how did everyone else respond to this? How would you respond if you were there? And with this, we can make an application of this. Notice with me, if you don't mind, the first response in verse 12. And immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch they were all amazed. They were all amazed. Every one of them. I mean, wouldn't you be if all of a sudden this man came down from the roof and he's paralyzed and Jesus says, get up and walk and he gets up and grabs his bedroll and takes off? Wouldn't you be amazed too? What we understand is a proper response for us too is that every time someone gets saved, we should be amazed. It should still be a wonderful thing to see people come to know Christ as Savior. Oh, it should be wonderful that we look forward to hearing about people getting saved, hearing about their testimony, how they came to know Christ, to listen to the story of what Jesus did for them. Oh, we should still be amazed about what Christ does for people. Notice a second response. And they were all amazed and glorified God. You know, some of the thing is that we've lost our compassion. We've lost our passion. We've lost our shout. We should still be excited that people get saved and glorify God. Woo, God! Oh, we should be happy. We should be so happy when people come to know Christ. We should rejoice and say, what a great God. Isn't he wonderful? It should still do something to us. That they were all amazed. They glorified God. Notice something else here. It says, we never saw it on this fashion. They said, we never saw it in that fashion. We've never seen anything like this. 
You know, one of the things that we need to be reminded is never letting getting, never let people getting saved, never let it get old. Oh, always look forward to people getting saved. Every time someone gets saved, it's a brand new miracle to look at it and say, wow, look at what God have done. Oh, to be amazed. We've never seen it in this fashion. Don't let people getting saved get old to you. You know what happens when we let it get old? We no longer do our best to get people to Christ. Oh, it's just one more person coming to Christ. Every person to come to Christ is special and unique. Every time someone comes to Christ, oh, it's something wonderful. It's something amazing. What we see here is an account of four friends doing whatever it took to get their friend to the Lord. Whatever it took. For us, we usually have a religion of convenience. Sure, we'll be glad to pass out a track as long as it's convenient to me. Sure, I'll pass out a track as long as the people don't look too scary. Sure, I'll tell someone about the Lord as long as they agree with me the whole time. Sure, I'll pass out a track as long as I've got time. Sure, I'll go tell someone about the Lord. You understand, the most important thing we can do is witness to people. To bring them to the Lord. It's what God has given us to do. It is the one thing that God has given us to do in the church. Is to accomplish the great commission. And yet, it's that one thing that we fail in. And what is Jesus' response to those friends that didn't let anything get in their way? They did whatever it took. He was pleased with them. When he saw their faith. And we know according to the Bible that without faith it is impossible to please God. It is faith that pleases God. How is your faith? You say, how can I measure it? How can I see? By seeing what does it take to stop you? From getting the gospel to others around you. So during this time. What are you doing to witness to people? What are you doing to get the gospel out? We've given some ideas of what to do during this time. We've provided some of you. The materials. Tracks. Other things. But you need to do what it takes. Sometimes it may be require being inventive. Sometimes it might require doing a different medium. Than what we used to do. But we can never stop. Getting the gospel out to people. This is our responsibility. Understanding that people need to get to the Lord. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.